Picture this, two guys trapped in the South Charleston Public Library. One guy loves movies, the other, well, he'd rather be watching reality TV. Can they survive each other's films? Find out on Real Opposites, a library podcast about movies. Hosted by Josh and Aaron from the South Charleston Public Library. Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Real Opposites. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. And we're back to discuss the movies that we chose last podcast. I chose Bloom Houses, Truth or Dare. I know, right? And I chose Bernard Rose's 1992 um, Candyman. So, I guess we're going to start with Bloom Houses, Truth or Dare. (laughs) Yeah, it is. So... I chose this movie because I remember liking it when I originally watched it. I like a lot of Bloomhouse's stuff, but also I like a scary movie that's just kind of fun a little bit. It's not super serious. It it's kind of one that you can just throw on and and listen to or watch a little bit. Like it's I don't know. I just like those kind, which I guess I like those kind of movies all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so. Truth or Dare is basically a harmless game of truth or dare among friends turns deadly when someone or something begins to punish those who tell a lie or refuse the dare. <laughs> that's not that's so descriptive. <laughs> I mean, they really sell it. Like, man, I am like, I want to watch that movie. Right. Man, I just. Well, uh, in, in case that didn't pull you in, it does start with Lucy Hell, Pretty Little Liars, and Tyler Posey, Teen Wolf, lead the cast. Oh, yeah, that's really working for me. Lead the cast of Bloomhouse's Truth or Dare, a supernatural thriller from Bloomhouse Productions. Bloomhouse. Bloomhouse. Bloomhouse, Bloomhouse, Bloomhouse. So, so why did you choose this? Well, I like I said, I think it's just fun, thriller, scary movie kind of thing. More lighthearted, which in all my movies, I think I kind of like something like that. Just yeah, that I can throw in. I can my ADHD can kick in, and I'm not gonna like you can tune out much. if you need to. Yeah, and and I kind of wanted to see it again. I've only seen it once, and originally I actually did only watch it because Lucy Hale was in it. Okay. Because and don't judge me, I was a huge fan of the Pretty Little Liars TV show. It I was, mean. I thought it was really good. So, yeah. Oh, we need a little cricket button. We used to have them, and I it know. was it used to be great yeah. when, like, you guys would have a long pause, and I really was editing. Would be crickets. <laughs> like, and then it would just stop, and all of a sudden you just hear trip, 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 and I was like, <laughs> but I always cut that because you know. Well, maybe that's anyway. the next thing, a cricket button, now that we've got our cough buttons. Yeah, we just need a sound effects button. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I need a sound effects button. Uh, like I don't know if else. you do. We might. <laughs> might have been a bad idea. Um, but anyway, so that's that's why I chose Truth or Dare. Okay. So you uh, haven't seen it since it came out. I hadn't. Since which was 2018. Two, yeah. Because it feels like it came out like 10 years ago. We talked about that last time. It feels right. like it's very, like I thought we were past this as a species. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay. Huh. <laughs> so what did you think watching it again? I mean, there was some cheesy stuff for sure. But overall I liked it still. Honestly. Some of the deaths are cool. Cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me like what did you like? Like what is there 
something about the, the I think the force or whatever that kind of yeah I think them, it, or like it the setting, builds like or? a suspense on like not knowing I don't know just like truth or dare in general when you're playing if you like you don't know what the other person's going to say you never know what that response is going to be to your truth or dare and I think that builds a little bit of suspense but I think it also just. I don't know, some of the deaths, the guy that shoves the pin in his eye and then bangs his head against the wall. Like, that was pretty cool. I mean, if we're just talking, like, the, you know, the death. One at the the bar where he, like, trips oh, on, where the on the pool on table. The, on the pool table, on the, on the eight ball. Yeah. And, like, lands and cracks his neck. And, yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's a kill. Yeah. What do you think? So I watched it. And loved it. And at the end, during the ending... Which is by far one of the cringiest endings I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Um, I let out an audible, ugh. Oh. I was just so like, it's over. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this was atrocious. Yeah. Uh, I really hated it. Kind of, I mean, it didn't take long for me to just be like, okay, it's just another one of these. It feels like just some, some like little quick, three sentence idea someone had. Yeah. And an unmercifully <laughs> lengthened to ninety five minutes or well, one hundred it felt like four hours. This yeah. is the longest oh, wow. hour and forty five minutes I've ever sat through <laughs> in my life. Because I said I got I got home after work and I'm like, okay, I fix me some food and I sit down and watch it. And then I'm like, wait, why isn't this over yet? <laughs> and I looked at the like check the time on it. I was like, oh God, okay, just ten minutes. <laughs> Uh, well, I will back you up when you said it seems like an idea that then they stretched out. And that's basically what happened. I watched, I listened, or no, I watched some of the extras. Mm. And they literally said they were approached, the director was approached, and they said, if you could make a movie that we can title Truth or Dare, <laughs> that'd be great. Well, that's a real, like, 80s kind of canon vibe. Like, we have a title. We yeah. might have a we might have an actor. Yeah, there we go. That's exactly how this we, one we came can about. sell the movie that way. Yep. Except it doesn't have like any of the charm of like eighties horror movies. Yeah. It doesn't have like a relatable characters. I can't tell anybody apart but, in the movie. Everyone looks like they popped out of an Abercrombie and Fitch ad. True. Uh, which really bugs me. Like, there's a certain point in film where they stopped casting real people, people that looked like people you right. would just that you know or see in the street. They started casting everybody from, especially in the horror genre. But, I mean, it's not limited to that from modeling agencies. Mm -hmm. You know. I mean, Kim Kardashian's a, in the newest American Horror Story. Ugh, God. Right. So, it's just like, I don't, I mean, they all look the same. Like, I get, I understand Lucy Hale. Like, I don't think I've seen her in anything, but I recognize her. And everyone else just looks like they could totally be interchangeable. Yeah, I think the only two people I knew was the ones listed on the back. I don't Tyler know the Posey other and, and Lucy Hale. I guess Lucy Hale's in Scream 4. Yes, she is in Scream 4. And, oh, yeah, that's right. She's, She's one of the fake entrant openings. Oh, is she? Fantasy okay. Island, I guess that's, that's, that's the yeah, only. Fantasy that, Island was. With the same director, too, mm -hmm. as uh, this. Yeah. It has a lot of the same problems as a lot of these kind of PG-13 horror movies aimed at, like, 19-year-olds. Yeah. Or younger. Or older. Well. <laughs> you're not well like years old. you love, you love horror but you're not like very well versed in like the classics horror yeah, like structures true. i'm trying to educate you oh okay 
but so it's like if you're looking for like a movie like like a horror movie that has something to say like talk to me for instance that's mm-hmm. why i liked it so much or if you're looking for just a gore fest like hostile or something like that it meets none of those it doesn't work in in anything like that like it just exists like it makes a good trailer probably you know but it's not a really a film and for like i mean i feel like the main influence is final destination yeah in a lot of ways but it doesn't have those like memorable sequences or how they will in those movies they'll prolong this the sequence right. to the point where you're just like okay somebody's gonna die i don't know where it's gonna happen right and they and, and you know and they're very suspenseful and then when it does happen it's like poof, it's very quick yeah this has none of that uh yeah, except for the the, clo- oh, the bar one was like the only time i was like oh okay yeah I didn't see that coming. I think the only one um, they kind of prolonged was the one I mentioned about the pin in the eye. Yeah. Because you think he's been asked the question and then he shows up out of the office, but then he gets called back in and then that's when it happens. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it's definitely not on the level of like Final Destination. I like that it has that kind of feel idea behind it. Yeah. I mean, at least it's not like a slasher, I guess, but it's if you're going to make the movie like this, fully commit to it and really have something to yeah. say. Or, or or just make it really suspenseful. Like, there's no overall, like, cinematic technique that's really grabbing me. It just is a, it's there. Right. Like it exists. It's right. in there. It's on a screen in front of me. Things are happening. I don't care about anything that's right. happening. Also, one of the things, so there's two, two other things I want to say, how much I hate this. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. That, you don't have to like every movie. I don't like C- most of yours. <laughs> the stupid like CG mouth face filter thing they did. Oh yeah. On people is just the dumbest. I was like, really? This is what you're doing? <laughs> I was reading the tri- trivia and it's extra stupid because Tyler Posey can pretty much do it without the CGI. Yeah. And I mean, they still like put the CGI on him to make huh. it consistent. It, there was part of me that was like is that just their smile, or and there was a couple of people when when it happened to him? It was like, okay, yeah, it's definitely digital, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then their eyes go red. And I'm like, yeah, this is really dumb. But, <laughs> but it just is very like, is this supposed to be creepy? Okay, it reminds me of like one of those things you see like 20 years ago, like the the videos that would be like a some like a yard, and then yeah. it would just be like ah, something pop out, you know? Oh my uh, god, I hated that. Like, I hated <laughs> I send, those. I send those all the time. I guess the smile was meant to be modeled on William Defoe's smile, and also like, there is a facial deformation that makes you, yeah, smile like that. I mean, I I see that. I mean, yeah. it definitely looks like a William William Defoe or Joker kind of smile. Yeah. And then that ending with her like daring the world or whatever yeah. was just what. Well, it I looked think, like. Uh, so, sorry, go ahead. Oh, all I was gonna say is I think the whole point of that because I actually forgot the ending. I thought it ended different. But uh, I think the whole point in that was, well, one, they could continue to live because if everybody in the world's playing, nobody has to take a second turn. Mm -hmm. But also because I think it was like a a progression of her character, Lucy Hale's character, who I think is the only one that had a, a little bit of a progression at all, to be honest, because she was so moral. She like she had. Yeah, so I mean, many moral things. And then at the end, she had to put it on the whole world. Like at the beginning, she says, she's asked if you had to kill everybody sitting here, the eight of us, or everyone in the world, and we get to survive. She chose the eight of them because she would yeah, not I mean, put that on the world. And then typical, at the end, they, they do the opposite. It's a typical final girl. Like she's the, yeah. the moral center of the movie. Right. But, but I mean, I, I did like that it kind of gave her a... 
an arc of some sort. I guess. But I will say, I mean, I, I agree with you in the fact that there's not there's not a lot of character progression. There's not. Well, I mean, it's just like, I mean, for the most part, the movie's pretty focused on just them. Yeah. And like they're, you know, it's very in Final Destination mode. And then it just suddenly is just like, and it looks like <clears throat> they don't, look, it doesn't look like footage they actually shot. It looks like stock footage that they got of people like looking at their phones or computers, like seeing them. And then they just superimpose the. Yeah, the, no, the I agree with that. And it's just like, this looks so dumb. Yeah, I agree with that. And I just, I mean, it, I mean, whatever suspense you might have been feeling, I feel that whole ending just completely <laughs> undercuts any anything you might have felt. Yeah. Because, I mean, for one thing, it's not realistic. It's not, I mean, it's not, it's not believable that everyone in the world is going to watch this video. No. Yeah. And it's going to spread like a virus or something. It's not. You don't know. She could have been like an influencer. Always have a always well. Have she a YouTube she was following. Yeah, she did have a YouTube, so that's like part of that as well. Yeah, that's but I mean, like you know, yeah, still this tribe in Africa is not <laughs> right. Exactly, your YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like I, uh, yeah, I hated it. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. This is. I mean, go ahead. It's definitely the worst horror movie recommended. Yeah, and it's definitely up there with Tammy. Yeah, ugly. I Oof. really hated this movie. Oh man. Oof. I, there's, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I've oh. talked enough. I was just, it's fine. I was just going to say that, I mean, clearly, is it a masterpiece? No. But I think it's fun. That That's my main thing, is I just think it's one of those fun movies. Um, I mean, I was hoping you'd like it so you wouldn't have to hate it, but, you know. I could see you hating it. So it's just kind of like one of those turn your brain off and just throw it on. Yeah. Kind of I like those kind of movies. I don't mind them every once in a while, but I still need some sort of like. Something. This, either either a nostalgia cook or some sort of yeah. charm or some performance or. I mean, even in like crappy, like canon horror movies or mm -hmm. whatever, like there's still some level of. They're at least attempting to create like there's a sustained suspense sequence right. or something. And this just felt like it had no thought put into <laughs> how it was presented or how it was. It made me just like, I'm going to want to watch Final Destination. <laughs> I, You know, that's the exact feeling I got when I was like, done. I want to see be a honest. good version of this. Yeah. I, I really wanted to watch Final Destination, which I need to do soon. Um, did you guys play Truth or Dare? As, While I watched the movie? No, like as children. Well, I watched it alone so I couldn't do it. I was going to say I watched something with Phil. My cat didn't really truth or dare me. I meant as children. That would have been a better premise. <laughs> My cat truth or daring me. Your, your cat is suddenly yeah. the demon. But then, so no, that would be a good premise. Then you're like, wait, is this guy nuts? Like he's thinking his cat's truth or daring him. Right, that's true. Yeah, I could see that work. Uh, I, I'm sure, yes, at some point in my life, I have played truth or dare. I don't know. I was just going to ask, like, if you remember playing truth or dare as a kid, what's a truth or a dare that you wouldn't do when you were a child? I mainly just chose truth. Yeah, I was because I'm kid. not much of a. Yeah, were you a dare? Yeah, I was. I'm a very that. open were book, anyway. Were you a anyways, dare or a so truth person? I don't remember ever playing. I was. I was a truth person. I was a truth person. I'm not. Yeah. I, it's not that I'm not daring. I just. I'm not going to run down the street with my clothes off. And I feel like that's what everybody's go-to dare Yeah, especially like if day. you're in high school or something. Yeah. It's like, so there's some form of like you're showing your butt. Yeah. Along the way. So I was a, I was a truth person. you're going to kiss 100%. somebody or. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just always feel like teenage truth or dare is 
of that. And I feel like most people play truth or dare for truth. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. Like that's why you play truth or dare as a kid is to elicit information from other people. As long as they're being truthful, which which I always was. And that you never know what people's going to ask when you say truth like that. That could be a whole thing. Yeah. I don't remember playing it a whole lot. I remember more Never Have I Ever. Oh, yeah. Kind of games. Yeah. I didn't play any of these, I guess. I played yeah. Never Have I Ever in college. I in did high too. school, I routinely, I guess, won or lost, I don't know, whatever it is where you put no finger, like where you're you're absolutely the least of doing things. Oh, me too. Oh. That's why I used to love Never Have I Ever. <laughs> Because I would win every time. I, like, I, was I would like, put no fingers down. I won because I'm boring. In college, no, in college it was more like I could yeah. I could actually play. But uh, I would have. I was just wondering if you guys remembered like a truth or a dare. You were like absolutely not not gonna do that. Um, yeah, I think I that think you would share now as an adult. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think something like this could do well if they. If I mean, which I I liked it. But, I mean, overall, I see where Josh is coming from. And if they had done more, I think it. I like the concept. I like the concept of taking a game that young people play and it becoming more than a game. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just need to explore, like, what's the, the common human problem mm-hmm. or thematic, you know, de- device that's at the core of the film. Yeah. Like, there needs to be some sort of, I mean, kind of like talk to me. Talk to me is about dealing with addiction. Like there needs right. to be something else. Something else there. There, because otherwise it's just, I mean, and, I mean, Final Destinations work because of ju- the the skill behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Because of the sustained suspense. Like they really know how to plan the sequences. And, and I mean, you generally, like each movie, it's, like, it's a slasher movie. Like you have a new set of eight people or whatever. Right. And, you know, most of them are going to get killed off, probably all of them. Yeah. But the fact that it's, like, you know what's going to happen, but you don't know when, like, that makes those films fun. Right. They don't really have much else to say, but they're just, that's that. those are fun horror movies. Did right, that's true. watch the 2017 Truth or Dare? What? There was a Truth or Dare that came out the year before, like, this is a remake of a movie from literally a year before. With Brittany? No, that was Would You Rather. Um, Cassandra Sarasbo. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, yeah, this movie was made twice in two years. I remember <laughs> I remember watching a movie that was a lot like this, but well, I like this one better. Somebody lost that there. <laughs> so, I don't I don't remember if it was that or w- would you rather. Mm-hmm. Which would you rather is a lot is it kind of the same kind of concept. Yeah. Which again is taking a a game that young people play and making it more than that. So I like the con. That's what I say. I like the concept. Yeah, I mean it's a good like one line concept, which is probably why the synopsis is so short. Right. On the back of the DVD, but the, it just is not a that needed more development. Yeah. And that's yeah. where like a lot of horror movies like are now. They're not. There's not a lot of like. There's not enough meat to it. No, there's not, and there's not enough creativity. There's not enough people that really have something to say. Yeah. That's why when you get something like uh, like Hereditary or Talk to Me, it's like oh wow okay. There's something, there's some meat right. to this, to the bones here. Or even like Bo is Afraid. Like I didn't like it. Dari Aster, who made Hereditary and Midsommar, which I didn't really like it. I mean, it's kind of like a horror movie, but still I respect. Okay, they went there. He's going there. He's doing 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's still at least I can recognize that there's something that's being explored, some personal experience or demons that are kind of being exercised on screen. Because really, I man, yeah. that's what art should be. Now, this is, is just... Like it, lazy for, for this kind of movie to work, it needs to be more skillfully made. Yes, I agree. If you're not going to explore. That's why the Final Destination comparison, I think, is the best one. Yeah, because Final Destination definitely is 100 times better. Yeah, and I mean, it's not it's not really trying to say anything. It's just like, have fun. We're going to kill a bunch of people, yeah. and you're going to probably go, ah, you know. Right. So. Well, and that, and that's what I say. Like, yes, I liked it. I will say, I think maybe uh, it wasn't as fun as I remember it being the first time. And maybe that is because I, I noticed little things about it that's like, eh, that could be better. And it's things good that like you're that. noticing that stuff. Right, exactly. So, what, or it's not, because now I can't just be dumb and watch TV. <laughs> now I have to be like, oh, Josh would hate this because of this. <laughs> I'm just warming my way in. I know, but like but the- watching it, I definitely thought you were going to hate it. So, I mean, I knew ahead of time. Like I said, I still enjoyed it. it you know, I don't know that I'll ever watch it again. Like, two's probably good. I think that's, I think that's good. One would probably would have been fine. Probably. Yeah. One's yeah. good enough for me. Right. No. I like the way to change the podcast to real opposites or the cinematic education of Aaron. There you go. Yes, yeah, real opposites <laughs> of cinematic. Not, not to, not, you will still hate it, but I like the, I've definitely seen the 2017 one. I was just like looking into it. I like the 2017 one better than okay. this one. It's a very similar premise. I, I like the ending better. Maybe I did see the 2017 and that's why I thought the ending was different. No. Maybe does the is the ending? I don't remember. I, don't remember. I, like, I just what didn't think did it was remember? that ending. There wasn't like a certain one I had in mind. I just didn't think it ended like the that. The 2017 is like a lower budget like sci-fi movie, yeah. but like the scares are better. It's like it's got a more like, narrow scope. It's mm. Kids who rent a haunted house and they play truth or dare mm. in the haunted okay. house, and okay. it's like it's also what this movie needs. We need like a good setting. Yeah, um, like, they kind of have it with the ruins or whatever, but I don't feel like I ever really got a chance to see the ruins. Right. It's all just in mediums and close-ups, and I I don't know. And it's all filmed in, like, one room, basically. Like, it's all filmed in that one house, basically. I I think it's just a narrow scope, and it's better for this kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think the— 2017 one. Also going into more about the history of why it—I mean, they did a little bit, but I don't know. Maybe that could have been deeper, or they could have had to be at the ruins more, or— Something like that. Yeah, I mean, something. I think they, sometimes I think writers kind of get stuck in there, like going down a path, and they don't stop to go backwards a little bit and then take a different path to get to the end. And I think that's something that happened here. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean. Well, Aaron, what are some things that, like, you liked about it besides the deaths? I liked some of the deaths, and I, I'd like Lucy Hell's character. And I would say the only other character that, you could even feel for a little bit was Brad Chang with his cop dad and, and oh, okay. all of that. And then him having to make him beg for it. Like that was probably the only person that I was like, man, that kind of sucked that he just died. I don't know. It's just, yeah. I mean, well, like I said like they're all interchangeable. I kind of right. like, I remember that like he was, he's gay. Right. And his mm-hmm. dad was, he was made to like come out to his dad yeah. via the game. Yeah. And then he was made to force his dad it, to beg like, for his life. That would have been something like if you, if, if, if the dares had been more personal, right? Exactly. Like that would have been. Uh, you, there is a lot of th- ways you could go mm-hmm. with this concept. It's just they choose to go the most superficial, dumb route, very surface level. Yeah, I mean, it has nothing really to say or explore about. I, like, why do we keep things to ourselves? Why don't we right. tell our friends how we really feel or something like like? Yeah, I, I think you can only... still work in some deaths. 
Well, exactly. You know, it just doesn't. I think the only one that really even had some of that is, well, I guess two, is Brad and then Olivia, Lucy Hale's character. Because she did have the secrets from, like hers were kind of moral secrets from her best friend kind of thing. So she did have that a little bit, but I feel like they still didn't delve deep enough into it to make it a deep thing. No, it's all just surface level. Yeah. But but had they explored their friendships, that's that's another thing, I think. A little bit more character development and more exploration into the friendships themselves would make the dares and the truths matter to you. Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, they're all interchangeable because they don't, they all act kind of the same. They right. don't really, like, all the all the, the men in the picture, like, I remember the, oh, I'm looking at the wrong one. I'm looking at Candyman. <laughs> not gonna find there was, anyway the, the gay kid that was yeah Brad uh, Chang like I can't remember that but everyone else is mm-hmm. they all are just kind of 20 something model looking yeah dudes so I agree especially they, with the guys yeah and I and I remember like I have a photographic memory I remember faces but I don't remember anybody yeah <laughs> out of this movie um because they don't I mean they all just look the same that's kind of the problem with like so many big budget movies is they just all cast the same look for everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's hard to distinguish who's what. Whereas I think, you know, if you go back 30 or 40 years ago, like people just looked like people. 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 Like they had imperfections. They had wrinkles. They mm-hmm. had, you know, their hair wasn't perfectly made and didn't look like they had spent three hours in makeup. Right. You know, I mean, that's required for some some movies and some stories, but, you know, it just, just takes me out of it a little bit. I, I get that completely. I even got confused a couple times on some of the guys. Like, yeah, I, I couldn't remember any of the guys. Like, I, I was like, now which one is that? So what I mean by, like, there's not much thought put into the visual style of the film is you have, like, it goes down to costume design, production design. It's not just cinematography. Right. So you have to distinguish each character. So you need them in different colors, or that color needs to mean something, different yeah. hair, different, you know, skin skin color, whatever. Right. They need to be easily... They need to be their own character. They need to be their own character just so visually I can say that's that person, that's that person. Exactly. They're standing there. And like the whole movie just feels gray to me. Like I've, I feel like there was it like washed out. Like as this like... So when they shoot digital, it's it's a, it's a flat image. Like right. there's no contrast, there's no real color. It's very flat and gray. And what they do in post is they color correct it and they add more highlights here or there okay. in the corner or whatever. So that's why it looks, the digital will end up looking, they try to mimic film to a certain extent because with film, it's generally what you see is what you get and you can apply filters or you can do a chemical process um, in post-production to what, however you want it to look. Yeah. And it feels like somebody just forgot to color correct the film. <laughs> it just feels like all flat and gray. All one color basically. Yeah. Sometimes that takes you out of the movie, too. You were talking about, you know, looking perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. Something like this, you're running from a demon spirit of some sort. Yeah. But everybody looks perfect constantly. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, that's not how I would look. Nobody's like, I feel like nobody's like tripping and scratching themselves. Right. Or like, I mean. All my friends are dying. First of all, you my would, hair's probably not going to be perfect. Yeah. And your makeup's going to be running. Right. you've probably been crying because you just saw your friend die or right. something. It's like. I will say, I also think that was something this movie was missing, was emotion for the people that were dying. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't care because I didn't Like it know was just them. moving on to the next. They didn't care either. Why would I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, it's a bummer Jimmy died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, They're like, I hope so I'm not So what do next. you want to do tonight? Like you want to go catch some Asian like some Asian dinner? Like go to the ch- Chinese place? Right. Catch some Asian dinner. I'm sorry. Catch it. I love that. <laughs> catch some Asian dinner. <laughs> I mean, Asian food is a thing. Yeah. I just, it was just the way you said it was pretty funny. Yeah. Like, like catching a movie or, like yeah. getting, or oh, I, yeah. I just pictured him out no, fishing she's on like a dock. like a cannibal. What? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's discussing being a cannibal. We should be aware. Uh, the other thing that you said was how everybody looks the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that. That's how I felt about the guys. That's how I felt. My friend Tiffany made me watch Housewives. I don't know. Like the reality show? Yeah. Yeah, they all are just like Botox and plastic surgery. Yeah, I like, could. I was constantly being like, now which one's this? They all literally looked the same. They had yeah. the same surgeon, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they all, most of them had blonde hair, white women. It was like, I didn't know. I couldn't keep up. I love reality TV, but that is a reality <laughs> show I could not keep up with because there was so much drama, yeah. in quotes, and they all look thrown alike. in, and, and they, they start, all look alike. So I don't know who's mad at who for what. When they start fighting, you're like, uh, who's who's that? Oh, yeah. okay, that's them. Same so thing. that does. I mean, that takes you out if you don't if you don't have your characters defined enough. Even in reality TV, I mean, they have to have their own personalities. They have to have. If not, it gets. It's just such a blur. And I agree. This movie has that. Yeah. Right. 100%. Well, I do agree. Um, yeah. Truth or dare. Yeah. I guess that kind of does bring us. I mean, there. Yeah, like I said, of course, I liked it. Mm-hmm. You did not. But I think you're right. And there's not enough meat there to really have a lot of discussion about it. I think we've talked about some of the same stuff over and over just with some better insight. Yeah. But. It still calls us to talk about some things, some film history and stuff like that. So yeah, or just some just some techniques that yeah they probably should have employed. Yeah. So next so. time, Bloomhouse, if you if you need advice, yeah, be sure uh, just uh, just give us a here. shout. We have a Facebook. Also, don't yeah. market your movie by the producer of. Yeah, they do that a lot anymore. I hate. That. I was gonna say That's I like, see that all the time. I just yeah. made the like. Oh, we paid the money to make this film. Like, you I, get, I get if it's like a production company like Bloomhouse or A24, yeah. but sometimes they'll say, you know, from producer Joel Silver or something like that. Yes. It's like most people, like, I know who Joel Silver is or mm-hmm. I know who Gail Ann Hurd is, but like most people are, don't, yeah, well, most people don't even means. know who what a producer I, does. I get mm-hmm. it so, if, if you constantly turn out fire. So, like, I like most of Bloomhouse's movies, but there are some, there's some, yeah. there's some garbage in there. It's like, I like, most of A24 stuff, I'm sure they've made some garbage also. So it's like, right. it's you're a production company. Essentially, you're like, this is our team, but yeah. mostly you throw money at creative teams that you hire. Like, you don't right, really yeah. have a a role. You're just good at picking talent. Yeah, I mean, and you, like that's, you say, here, green light, here's right, $8 exactly. million. Dollars. You know, yeah. like, it's not really... I mean, you could have said whatever movie he made, like I would just say from the director of blah, blah, blah. Like instead Happy of, Death Day. He didn't make Happy Death Day. Oh, what's Happy Death Day? It said Happy Death Day on the back. That was There's a Bloom House. Oh, the Bloom House produced, yeah. <laughs> Happy Death Day is good. And Get Out. Happy yeah. Death Day is a good example of one of these movies that has something to say. It it takes a premise. It is. And then it you know explores that character's reaction to the premise. And then... I mean, I did not expect to like watch Happy Death Day, and was like, I was really moved in a couple. Yeah, of scenes. I was surprised by you <laughs> saying you liked that movie. And I was like, wow, 
This is a really good. And I, I, I loved thought, it. And but... I thought the second one was great too. I, yeah. I hope they make a third one. Like I, I kind of want to go back and watch those. I haven't seen them but once each. They're great. I, yeah. I really enjoy them. And she's really, Jessica Roth. She's a really she's a really great little actress. Like I think she's great in those movies. Yeah. Like she pulls off the kind of catty mm-hmm. vibe very well, but then she can turn on like the really sincere stuff when she's really feeling it. And um, yeah, I agree. And she doesn't. I mean, she's. I mean, clearly she's a. She's beautiful, but she doesn't look like she just stepped out of a magazine. Right. She's like next she has, door girl. Yeah. She has a unique look. That's like. Yeah. Her face is unique, and I. I could easily see her in like a seventies or eighties slasher right. movie. And unfortunately, the director of this movie does not have a, a lot to his name that's worth bragging about. Yeah, I mean, he made He's Fantasy got Island. Fantasy Island. His kick-ass too. Not was unnecessary. Just. I didn't Out like the gate. The first um, I like, the, I, I like the first one. I like Matthew Vaughn. He's the director. I liked his first like couple. Jeff Wadlow like, uh, uh, was involved, thing. but yeah, Jeff Wadlow doesn't have a lot to recommend him. No, probably because he's a hack. Try harder, Jeff Wadlow. Try harder. Get a bear script next. Hopefully, time. he's not listening. Well, hopefully, he is because that's that's the important thing about. Uh, like you're going to edge constru- constructive him. criticism. That's true too. Is that movie? I don't like, know that get good is constructive criticism. Well, <laughs> talking about, we're talking about like why the movie before that. Before I that, think, was. do better. I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like we've talked about it, like why the movie doesn't work. And clearly, I mean, the movie had like a super low overall like Rotten Tomatoes. Not, the, not yeah. that Rotten Tomatoes matters, but like the 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 consensus from audiences and, and critics was. Very, very, very negative. Yeah. So maybe you should take that as a sign to maybe the next movie I should put more of myself right in there or lay bare something uh, that I have to say. Yeah. Instead of just and of, of going course, through the motions. Other than just offering advice, I mean, if you do listen, you're welcome to come on the podcast and we can talk movies. Yeah, totally. Come on the podcast. We'll mm-hmm. eviscerate your fantasy island movie. Oh, probably. okay. I just meant we could just discuss things nicely. <laughs> I mean, we'll discuss things nicely. But, I mean, critics and directors used to have like, a say. A, well, no, they used to have a discussion. Yeah. You know, like Pauline Kael and De Palma were like, they 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 talked and like influenced each other. and. Uh, I think that's healthy. Yeah, that's true. Because if someone's knowledgeable about subject and you're the artist, like at certain, like you, I mean, you have to ignore, you have to just go with what you want to do, like what you're feeling. Yeah. But at the same time, like listening to a knowledgeable person about what, I don't, I, like, why did, like, or someone's just asking, like, why did you do this in the movie? Why did you right. have this character do that? What does this shot mean? Or what, you know, like that's, right. I mean, I think that just encourages directors and writers to, Think more about why they're doing what what they're putting on screen. Right, that makes sense. Um, so I think, and then I mean, in the critical, I mean, we don't have people like not that I was a huge fan of her, but like Pauline Kale or Ebert or um, Andrew Saris, like those people just aren't around anymore. Right. What you end up with is people largely are have been raised on like popular films from the last 40, 50 years, yeah, and they don't really go much further than that. And they they're you know. This, discussion quote-unquote about the film is very surface right like you know well um, i think i think basically what we're saying is you know if you're a director or a a a production company and you need you need some outside view and someone to screen your movies we're here for that totally oh totally yeah (laughs) we have opinions we definitely have um, opinions. I mean, I don't want to see a bad movie. I want to I want to watch a good movie. Right, for sure. I didn't want this to suck because I don't want to sit there for an hour and 45 minutes right. and go, this sucks. That's yeah. unfortunate for you that you were <laughs> in this podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I want every movie to succeed. I don't want to... 
I don't want to go to the theater and plunk down twelve bucks and oh, right. yeah, man, and that's not like it. Oh, Indiana Jones, that was oh, that's what I was feeling yeah. it there. But, yeah, I saw that one. It was bad. Yeah, I didn't like. They didn't it. cut you as deep though, because you didn't. Know. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was your first Indiana. Jones. Yeah, that's the most depressing thing ever. I know. Yeah, last night somebody was talking about John Wick four. Uh, and it must not have been last night. I wasn't around anybody. Sometimes somebody was talking about John Wick 4 and how it was. It was your cat. Movie. It was my cat. Um, I want to see this movie. We can make this movie. <laughs> we have been thinking about making a movie. Yeah, CPL did. presents Aaron, Aaron and his Binks. cat. Aaron and Binks. Aaron and Binks. <laughs> Cactastic adventure. Uh, so, yeah. You do have the ghost cat in your house. So, there's that. This is true. True. So, yeah, I guess that brings us to the end for sure of Truth or Dare. So we'll go to some commercials from the library, and then we'll come back and discuss Candyman. Hi there, podcast listeners. This is Kendall with Youth Services at SCPL, bringing you an update about our October programming. We are very excited that spooky season is here once again, and we will be featuring some fun, festive story times throughout the month. You can join us on Tuesdays at 1030 for our Spanish story time, or on Thursdays also at 1030 for our Words and Wiggles program. And both of these story times are ideal for children from birth through about age five. Great for toddlers, babies, preschoolers. And we just have a lot of fun reading and dancing and playing instruments. And we hope we'll see you there. We also have some great teen programs scheduled for this month. Our teen territory meets on Wednesdays in Auditorium A from 3.30 to 4.30. And please note that this is a time change. We were previously meeting at four, but we moved it back um, to 3.30 so that we can have more of our teens join us for more of the program. Um, But we will be starting out on the 4th of October doing some DIY spooky stickers and potions. We'll be learning about solar eclipses on October 11th. On October 18th, we are thrilled to welcome a guest speaker, LJ Fairless of Snodgrass Funeral Homes, to speak about his career in a somewhat non-conventional industry. Um, And we are sure you will be dying to meet him. Just kidding. (laughs) Anyways, and then finally, on the 25th of October, we are having a Halloween party for our teens. Again, 3.30 to 4.30, entitled Monster Mash, where we will do some fun trivia related to the holiday, play some games, and even read some spooky stories by flashlight. Um, Two other big things to mention. We have our Lego night returning on Tuesday, October the 10th, starting at 6.30, or 6 o'clock, I'm sorry. And that is a great time for kids to come in and build Lego together, meet new friends, uh, bring old friends. You can build whatever your imagination desires or build along with our spooky theme. And finally, we are having Trick or Treat at the library on Tuesday, October the 24th, starting at 6.30. You can test drive your costume a week before Halloween and come trick or treat throughout the library. We will have several stops with our SCPL staff as well as some great community partners joining us to make a wonderful evening for all of our little ones. So we hope you'll stop by and see us sometime during October. And I'm gonna pass it over to Toby for your adult programs. 
Hi guys! So the first thing we have coming up in October is on October 2nd we have Intro to Mushrooms Foraging and ID for Beginners at 6pm and that will be brought to us by some of the members of the West Virginia Mushroom Club. A reminder that SCPL is closed on the 9th for Indigenous Peoples Day on October 10th at 3 p.m., so an early afternoon program for adults. We will be making Rope Ghost on the 16th at 5.30. We will have a mini stained glass lamp program where we will be making our own stained glass lamps. Uh, on the 23rd, we will be discussing our book club book for the month, California Golden, at 6 p.m. if you would like to pick up the book. Any other, any time this month, you can come by and pick up the book. And for right now, that's all we have for the month of October, though I'd like to throw out a little reminder that on October 14th, we do have our annular solar eclipse, and you'll be able to see that. Make sure you have your eclipse glasses and get ready to watch that. That's on a Saturday, so that's exciting. And it will be from 11.45 to 2.30 p.m. will be the time which the eclipse is happening. Okay, guys, see you on the next episode. All right, so we're back from those announcements from the library, and we're going to go ahead and jump straight into Josh's pick, Candyman. Yes, the immortal Candyman from 1992. So I'm going to read the v the VHS synopsis mm -hmm. first before we like kind of dive in. I love this movie. I'm really excited to talk about it. And we're definitely going to say Candyman five times throughout this whole podcast. That's true. But it was no mirror. I should have brought a mirror. Yeah. Give me a second. Let me go out. Is there not a mirror in here anywhere? No. Stand in front of the mirror. Turn off the light. And chant the word Candyman five times. Then he'll appear behind you, if you believe. <laughs> a children's ghost story comes to terrifying life in this gut-wrenching thriller about a graduate student whose research into modern folklore summons the spirit of the dead. Helen Lyle laughs when she interviews college freshmen about their superstitions. But when she hears about Candyman, a slave spirit with a hooked hand who is said to haunt Chicago's notorious Cabrini Green housing project, she thinks she has a new twist for this thesis. Braving the gang-ridden territory to visit the site of the brutal murder, Helen arrogantly assumes Candyman can't really exist until he appears, igniting a string of terrifying, tragic slayings. But the police don't believe in monsters, and they charge Helen with the grisly crimes, and only one person can set her free. Candyman. Nice. So anyway, that's the VHS yeah. synopsis. Um, so why did you pick it? So much better than the Truth or Dare. <laughs> Two sentences. Boom house, boom house. So why I picked Candyman. Candyman is like, uh, I pretty much watch it every year. Every October. Yeah. I probably have for the last... I don't know, 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. I just think it gets better every time I watch it. Um, I love, I mean, I just generally, I love Clive Barker and he works in like the, the, the space that kind of wants to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And pushes you into situations you wouldn't really think you'd see in a horror movie to a certain extent. Like, right. And I mean, just the filmmaking in the movie, I think is really, is really terrific. I love, I just love the concept of the film. And this mm -hmm. is the kind of movie like where similar to Truth or Dare, like you have a concept, like the synopsis, but what the film does with that and what it explores is why it's become a classic horror film. Right. 
Because it's not just about Candyman killing people or her, what she's seeing. It, and it reveals more each time you see it, you can see whether, like, what is, is you can look at it more objectively and see, is this really happening? Like, what is she perceiving and what's really happening? I mean, I love the Philip Glass score. It's a perfect contrast to Cold Steel like and, like, concrete of the film. Because so much of it does take place in Cabrini Green. Yeah. And then, like, when it gets very romantic when sh- she sees Candyman. Like, it, the, it gets very melodic. I mean, the whole movie's the whole score is pretty melodic, but it has a more warm uh, feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how they set, like, a... And the the score has a gothic feel, like it feels like it's being played in a church or church organ almost, and that's a really great contrast to the setting. It's right. not in some castle in Transylvania; it's in a very derelict part of a major metropolitan city. And there's and there's a thing like in the '90s, starting in the very early '90s, I think, with like people under the stairs, which I don't know if you've ever seen. It's a Wes Craven movie. I don't think I have. Um, I know about it. It's it's really good. It's it kind of can blend in a little bit more comedy at times, mm-hmm. um, but it's still about traditional horror tropes and subtexts and putting them in a more modern setting, like in African American communities. Right. And then later, like you had Tales from the Hood, which is an anthology, but it's still which I taken... really like, and I would I need to rewatch. I've only seen it once. I think. Yeah, it's really terrific. It's a lot of fun. The stories are very are varied, and. They, I mean, like, the, I always remember the one with David Allen Greer where he's, like, an, an abusive father. And, like, it deals with things within reality that... Right, exactly. It's not it's not just for entertainment, even though it's very entertaining. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I like... And I like how the movie talks about generational trauma of slavery, like, how it affects... How it affects the the African-Americans in that... In the Cabrini-Green. Mm-hmm. Even so far as, like, when Helen and, and Bernadette show up like they're even Bernadette and Bernadette played by Casey Lemons is black and they even are not trusting of her right like they're it's not it's not just it's it it's and that right there is saying there's more it's it's an educational and a and a and a societal status mm-hmm. that, that they're untrusting of because right. they've been you can look at them like they're just the remnants of 100 years ago of slavery you know slavery mm-hmm. and that society has locked them off into this you know, almost prison, and so it's put them in, like, fight-or-flight kind of status. Right. Um, so they try to intimidate anything new that comes into that situation. I think, so there was some controversy about, like, like I'm just going on and on. Sorry. What do you think, Aaron? No, go ahead with yeah, your go controversy. Go ahead with the controversy, and then we'll get yeah. back to Aaron's thoughts. <laughs> but, I mean, like, there were some things, like, when it came out that, it, yeah, it's a movie about... it deals with issues central to African-American experience, but it's the protagonist is a white woman. Yeah. Um, but I think that allows the film to look at white privilege to a certain extent. Right. You know, like if anybody else had been assaulted, like if anybody that lived at Cabrini Green had been assaulted in that bathroom or whatever, it's, I think even one of the kids... overlooked. Yeah, I mean, nobody really cares, but a white woman gets assaulted and it's like, they, they say they swept the whole building and, right. you know, to get these guys for the lineup and... And it just—I mean, it, I think—I think it's important to have that to highlight the to, to highlight the dis- discrepancy between like yeah, Race. her and the yeah and the inhabitants of Cabrini Green. So yeah, I love the movie. I think it's beautiful and creepy, and I find new things each time to enjoy about it. So, 
What did you think, Aaron? Well. I was imagining you when you say that, like you're kicking your feet up, you're getting your pipe out. <laughs> Let me start this discussion in my robe with my pipe. No, I I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm glad I finally have seen it because it's been something I've always meant to watch and I just don't. Yeah. I mean, I think this is like an essential yeah. horror film. Like if you love horror films, you need to see Candyman. Right. And especially because I think I told you, I don't know if it was on here or not. I can't remember. But that we were really mean to my cousin mm-hmm. who didn't. Oh. I can't remember. Was that on the podcast that was last on the podcast time? Last okay. So I've always wanted to see it because of that too, because I didn't understand why she was so scared. Oh, okay. She was like super scared because she had seen this movie at some point. And it's definitely creepy. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I could see that now. And man, where we mean, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you didn't know. But I now the only thing I will say that I it kind of confused me for a little bit towards the end was, was she just seeing things? And like, was it her all along doing the killings? So, or was there actually Candyman doing the killings? So I think you can look at it more literally or... Like, you look at it either way. I think she, so you could look at it to where she doesn't see Candyman until she's uh, assaulted in the bathroom and is knocked in the head yeah. with that guy's hook, uh, the blunt side of it. And then she starts seeing Candyman and she, right. you know, has like spells. Well, she, she'll forget where she was. She wakes up in this woman's apartment. And she's killed a dog. Right. And the baby's missing. And, and there's a lot you can read into it. I think. I think that's probably the best way to to look at it to a certain degree. Okay. That's that's kind of how I watched it. Is it to me it was Candyman was a, a figment of her imagination. Yeah. Uh, I mean it could and, still and be maybe like... she was killing, but but then you get to the end with the fire mm-hmm. and they show like a body burning. So I didn't yeah. know if everybody was seeing that or if it was just her that was seeing that. Yeah, I mean I think that's where the movie is it can you can take it either way. Right. I mean, and I like that. I like that. I think and I think you can read into her psychology. So I think from the start, like she visits her husband, who's a teacher. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty clear right away, like he's cheating on her. Right. Like with the student. And she's, she sees that. She sees right through it. She's, and that's what I like. She's, a, she's an intelligent, educated woman. Yeah. Like she's not putting up with any of this stuff. So I think there, she creates this um, like forbidden love in Candyman because – now she knows the story because his friend has now told her the whole story of what the folklore behind it. So she knows that he had an affair with a white woman back in the, you know, I'm guessing the 1860s or something. And and they had a baby or she was pregnant. I can't remember either way. So I think all that's entering her subconscious. Mm-hmm. And then when she, you know, she's hit in the head, she kind of assumes the role to a certain degree. Like she's making, it's how she's coping with her trauma. Right. From what's going on in her marriage. But then you can also just read it literally like there's really a candy man. He's really hypnotizing her and like yeah. making hit, making her do his bidding. But you can also look at it like more subtextually that sh- that's how folklore works. Like that. Right. It, it kind of gets under your skin and you there's certain things in the stories that makes them memorable, makes them kind of sit there in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. So I think it's what the movie is ultimately talking about. But on the literal level, I think that, yeah, she's probably, this is in her head. And then by the end, she assumes the role. She's the new Candyman. See, that's that's how I thought. Because yeah. then at the very end, yeah, you she see comes the big back. mural and, on the wall. And, and she what, kills her husband. And she kills her husband, yeah. Which I think uh, is a big, like, yeah. 
moment because yeah. <laughs> he's a dirtbag. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it you know that ending makes it seem like okay, then maybe Candyman was real because she's dead at that point. Yeah, I mean, she's so dead. there has to be. Yeah, and I mean, I think you there, know. Yeah, and I think there's some, or you could look at it that you know he's her subconscious is haunting him and he killed himself or something. Right. You know what I mean? It's doubtful, but I think. I think to a certain like there is a candy man in the movie. Yeah. You can read it either way. Like I think she's doing the killings. Like she abducted the baby. I think she so killed too. the dog. And I mean it I mean it's a it's a it's a ghost story to a certain degree. So yeah. when she enters his his lair in mm-hmm. the in the Cabrini Green, you know, there's bees and everything and Yeah. So I think I think I mean I think that's happening to her, whether it's real or not. Right. And and I like that it's like, you know, the folklore never really dies. Like she's now the new Right, exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I that so that was a little confusing for me, but it wasn't the kind of confusing that took me out of the movie mm-hmm. or made me not like it. It it still was like, okay, it could be this or it could be this. And I could see it both ways the whole time I was watching the movie. Yeah, I think that's that's good writing. And that's what I was gonna say. I think it's good because you can that's one of those movies. Where and and this is what I think a, a really good movie does is lets the audience take it the way they want to take it. Yeah, you bring to um, the film like what you personal. bring to the film is how you see the film. Exactly. So if, I mean, I think the I think it's it's really good art, and I think it's revealing. Like some people like were didn't like that it was a white protagonist that wasn't the black. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't like certain elements that they were. Because I think Bernard Rose, the director, like when they were going to make the movie, he went to I think the NAACP. Mm-hmm. And like had a meeting with, or with local um, in Chicago, I think, leaders in the community, mm-hmm. and because the studio was like, I don't know, if we want to do this. Like this is not exactly casting them in the best light, and right. and they and the the African American community, like the leaders they went to, they were like, yes, show this. This is this is what's happening. This is right. what it's like to live in these you know slum slum houses more yeah. or less. And I mean, so I. I think you can look at it. I mean, you bring what you bring to it. Right. You get out of it what you bring to it. So if you're coming at it from a really hostile, like, I don't like to see the negative depictions of anybody on screen. Well, we're not all sunshine and roses. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I think, like you said, they wanted it shown. And I don't, I mean, obviously, I would want it, if it was me, I would want that shown 100%. Yeah. Because it's, it's great when art can bring to the surface a social issue. Yeah, and I mean, even kind of getting away from this film, but the uh, the sequel mm-hmm. that they made a couple of years ago, it's like a direct sequel to this. So the the baby, it's about him. Like he's, oh, okay. I thought it was a really terrific film. I did this not is expect the newest the one. new one. Okay, and it and it still is dealing with the same issues mm-hmm. because they're still relevant. Exactly, everything still exists. Um, and I think that's there's a definitely like a timeless quality to to Candyman. You know, there's no cell phones and there's no this or that, but it still, I mean, sadly, feels real. And I think, I mean, it's great as Tony Todd is, as Candyman. He's only like in the movie for like eight minutes, I think. All together. Yeah, but oh my God, his voice is amazing. I know, I like him a lot. Like, I could, he's also in Final Destination. Yeah, he's in Final Destination. He's, yeah. uh, he's been in, I mean, it's kind of because he was a Shakespearean actor, like on stage and like oh, okay. very, you know, classically trained. And he, and it kind of happens to some people where they'll get into a horror movie like him or Doug Bradley from Hellraiser. And they kind of get typecast. From then on. Yeah, and they don't really, are not allowed to do other work. Work, Which is sad because he's a really good actor and he really has a lot of great screen presence yeah. and his voice is amazing. 
And I like that Candyman isn't a monster, isn't a monster in the traditional sense. Like he's a attractive, tall black man. Right. I mean, he has a hook for Anne, so it's a bloody hook. Well, it's for where Anne. he was done wrong. Yeah, but I mean, like he's not grotesque. Right. He had a terrible thing happen to him that that you know, and he's out for vengeance, and you get that. Like yeah. you, the spirit lingers, wanting revenge. Like I said, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Of course, like you were saying, Tony Todd's great. But also, uh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was wanting to say like how great Virginia Madsen is. That's what I was going to say like, too. How she? I mean, she's the she's she's the film. Yeah, and she's really really terrific. Yeah, she does great she, in that role. She totally sells. The, I mean, she's a great actress anyway, but like, she really sells the like unsure of what's happening to her, right? You know, because she doesn't know this is like what happened. I I don't remember doing any of this. So. Yeah, and it it leads into that ambiguousness of what's really happening, like yeah. I was talking about, and yeah. and I, I don't know. I think that's a a thing that I like about this film is it you can take so much from it, and there is a lot to take from it. It it does have heart to it it has meaning behind it yeah and it's not just empty gore yeah um, but the gore was good yeah the i mean gore and, was the, also and, the, good in and the 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 little bit of gore like the the dog's head and the yeah uh, um the blood everywhere uh, during casey that. casey lemons bernadette when she's killed yeah and you see it like hours later and she's drained of any color and right she's like gray and like th- those are like it's, it's memorable yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Because well, I like those characters. I've gone, uh, you know, I, don't, I haven't spent a lot of time with her. The, just the way they react to situations, I yeah. buy who they are. Yeah, I know. I was sad when they killed Bernadette. Yeah, and I like I like her a lot, and I like, I mean, her, uh, you know, and like the the woman, the the mother of the baby, and you know, nobody really feels like a cardboard cutout to a certain degree. Like, I feel like there's still enough underneath each character too. Yeah. To get really invested in. But the gore does really stand out because there's really not a lot of it in the movie if you just look at it. Right. But when it hits, it's like it's really bright crimson red. Yes. And it really sticks with you. Like the, I love the image of, of her husband. That's what I was going to say. End, like in the bathtub. It, just, I mean, there's blood everywhere. Yeah, I mean, he is. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you got your, your bloodlust uh, quenched in this one. Yes, I definitely did. And But that's the thing is in, in this movie, it doesn't use gore to tell the story. No. I mean, gore is just because that's what happened. Yeah. And it, I kind mean, of it, thing. And like, Nothing as as much as I love Nightmare on Elm Street. Like nobody's like falling into a bed and just gushes up, right? Blood. Yeah, it looks like someone just gutted someone. Right. It looks like that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it really grounds grounds the film. So funny little bit of trivia was when either Casey Lemons, uh, Bernadette, or mm-hmm. Virginia Madsen, Helen see Candyman. Director Bernard Rose actually hypnotized them. Oh wow. I don't even know if it's in the trivia. I was listening to the commentary and Virginia Madsen's talking about how it was really weird because she could like almost be on the outside mm-hmm. and see like feeling that this is ridiculous. This is happening. But at the same time, she was just like, can't do anything about it. Yeah. And and then you watch those scenes, like especially the first time in the parking garage mm-hmm. when she sees Candyman. The she look in her eyes is, is very, like, it looks like she's just, under his spell. Yeah. Because she is. She's being hypnotized. Oh, wow. So that's a cool... Uh, that, yeah, that's awesome. It's a cool bit of trivia. And I just feel like that that level of uh, commitment from everyone involved, I really 
feel that. Yeah. I love that they used real bees. Oh, yeah, and they're coming out of his mouth. Yeah. And stuff. And, it's and, like, and they were bred specifically for the movie because they needed to make sure that the bees were only 12 hours old so that they looked like mature bees, uh-huh. but that they weren't power, powerful enough to do any actual damage. If they stung. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. And the, the gore is fine for me, but like the bees coming out of his mouth, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. I don't know what they paid you for this movie, but it was Hopefully not enough. It was to, worth it. <laughs> but mouthful of bees in and then... Like they kind of kiss after that too, and yeah, that that's a that's a scene. But I mean, I love how the even the opening shot, like with the bees descending on yeah Chicago, and it's like and just like this weight is already there at the start of the movie of yeah the whole city, the whole United States is this like you can't outrun the trauma you've inflicted right. on a race of people, you know. Um, yeah, it's a great and it was it was good that they couldn't do much damage because in a in an interview, he was said, he said he was stung twenty six times during. Oh my goodness! Uh, the space of the Candyman yeah. trilogy, and he negotiated a bonus of a thousand dollars for every bee sting. Oh, that's oh awesome! Goodness. That's awesome. <laughs> Good for him. I part of me is like, I don't know. I'll get stung. Yeah, but they also hurt. They do. I got stung a thousand dollars times a couple months ago. And I was like, God. Uh, me too. Uh, I was doing jackets. yard work, and yellow yes, jackets, but, uh, it was yellow jackets. But like, so I got stung on my left arm and my left leg. Mm-hmm. Those got really swollen. Right side didn't get swollen at all. You're I just allergic like, on one side of I your body. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think bee stings are are less painful than yellow jackets. I'm pretty. Oh, are sure. they? Okay. I, it's been so long since I've been stung. I was like, ah. Well, you don't get stung by an actual bee that much. No, because they're generally pretty docile. Yeah. They don't want to. They just want to go about their business. And yellow jackets are a little bit. Yeah. Which, by the way, bees are very important to life. And it's no, scary. yeah. We what need would bees happen to if pollinate. We are out of bees? Yes. So. There's Don't no, kill bees unless you're not really. There's no food. <laughs> yellow jackets, okay, but yeah. bees, no. Yellow jackets are just worthless. Just kill yeah, them. Yeah, just bye. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like I, I like everything about this movie. I think it had, of course, the gore that hits for me. It had heart and story. It had character arc. You end up with an ending, you know, that is good. I, I, she comes back for revenge. She gets her revenge after she's basically burned to death. Yeah, in that in that fire in the end when she's saving the baby. I just think it's. I mean, it's great that they saw her save the baby, and now she's. It's almost like the Cabrini Green. It's almost like it was like that's the center point of all the energy, negative energy, right? And like 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 a haunted house, and so like the lore of a Candyman manifests in that the heart of that building. Right. And so now that is manifested in her visage. And I, I mean, I just love, I mean, the, the music makes that sequence really great. Like where she's going into the, into the, the bonfire and coming out. And then the, once you to do like a slow zoom in on the, um, on the mural where she has fire for yeah, her hair. It's, like, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, was a, it was a great scene. I mean, you just don't really, I, I mean, it makes it unique because you don't see that this level of commitment from the cast and crew and just the level of filmmaking and horror. It's right. And the level of storytelling. Yeah. I mean, you think about how much it does. Like, it's only like, I don't know, 95, 96 minutes oh, wow. long. I mean, I mean, it really, yeah. I mean, there's no fat on the, on the film. Like, yeah. I mean, it's 10 minutes shorter 
than Truth or Dare and has oh, a, wow. million, a million more interesting things to say. Yeah. Because the because you know Clive Barker's a great horror writer and they're you're bringing traditionally non-horror actors and directors into into the film. Like Bernard Rose went on to make Mortal Beloved after this with which is about Beethoven with Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. So I mean he's not like a horror guy and sometimes it's like when you come at it you bring people that aren't in the community to a certain genre it brings something fresh and new that's yeah. i think that's the case here is it it's more thoughtful than a lot of horror films yeah i would agree with that and i i i did like that end scene with her and the fire and everything and what i i kind of liked about it too was that she kind of got she was redeemed in the eyes of the people there yeah. and cuz they all sh- showed up at her funeral yeah and that's kind of a moving scene also her husband bringing his girlfriend to the funeral. Right. Like, what? You deserve it. Man, people... Also, she's just like, I don't know. They never really say how long she's been in the uh, hospital, mm-hmm. like, in the like uh, sedated. Uh, I'm imagining, like, maybe it's a week. Yeah. I don't know, something like that. And, like, you're already, like, painting right. the apartment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Already letting your new girlfriend move in and paint the apartment. Ugh, yeah, that's wild. But I know. I mean, I kind of like. I traditionally like more like three dimensionality and characters like that. But with that one, I was like, eh, no, it's okay. Yeah, she's like, he's he's the catalyst for her unhappiness in life in a lot of ways. Like her, oh, for sure. She's not able to be taken seriously as a academic, and you know, her professor husband is cheating on her with a student, no less. Right. But yeah, I and I like uh, they cast Virginia Madsen. She's not someone you'd expect, really. Yeah, I thought she was great. She really is. And they, I mean, because she had typically kind of played like stuff like the Hotspot, more of like a femme fatale kind of okay character. Like she's very kind of you know beautiful, sexy kind of woman. And, and so Bernard Rose, you know, he's telling her it was like that was his concern was that. So she just did her own makeup from what I remember, from what I understand. Okay, like, that's so cool. she's not like Gus, like what we were talking about before. Like she's not like gussied up and looking right. polished. Like she just looks. I feel like, like she's in that part. Yeah, I mean everything just feels like she looks like a woman woke up, took a shower, put a little bit of makeup on, left the house. Like right. you know, did her hair like a normal person. Yeah, and and he even had her like like wanted to put a little. She wanted he wanted her to put a little bit of weight on, so mm-hmm. she wasn't like super. Supermodel-y kind of looking, and she's a pretty voluptuous woman anyway. But like, and so he showed up with a like a pizza, yeah, every like every day. That's hilarious. <laughs> and they would have pizza every day, and she talks about how she's like, "I'm not an ice cream and cake girl. I'm I'm a pizza girl." Yeah, so. and she, she was like, eventually, like, he started showing up with like five pizzas. That, like, that's Whoa. absolutely great. Yeah, I, which I think they also if I remember correctly, may have put her in clothes that are a little bit bigger than what she would Yeah, wear. she's like wearing like sweat. So that it's not like a sexy woman mm-hmm. taking the lead yeah. kind of thing. She's wearing like sweaters and... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Chicago, so it's cold anyway, but she's not like... I mean, everyone just looks like normal people. That's right, what I was talking exactly. About last one. I mean, even Casey Lemons is a beautiful woman, but she's not like... She doesn't look like a supermodel. She just looks like an attractive woman that goes to a college. Like Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like what we're saying about Tony Todd. He's not a monster. He's this handsome, tall black right, man. Right, not what you, know? you would expect. And, and there's a little note here, which I didn't notice. They were talking about the sound design a lot in the commentary, but 
I didn't notice it. They didn't mention it. That whenever he's walking, there's no sound to his footsteps. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is really cool. When next time I watch it, I'll definitely take note of that. Which just adds to his like ethereal. Yeah. How much of, how much of it's really real? Yeah, I think so. And that's what I say is it... it it was kind of confusing at first, but like as it went on, it made so much sense to me that it's it's ambiguous in that way, and mm-hmm. and that you could take it any way. Yeah, and I mean, like to a certain extent, like film's not really literal. Like, right? If you're just any film, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. That's the point. Like, otherwise, I'd watch a documentary, right? Because I want to see an expression of an idea or a feeling, and it doesn't have to like. Of course, literally, there's no Candyman. Of course, literally, someone painted that mural on the wall. Like, right. it's not, I like to see that it's very, it's theatrical, and he's very theatrical. Like, he, it's almost like when he comes on, like when he first sees her, like he's walking on stage, and he's very, his his glide, it's very theatrical. Like, he's, look at me, I'm Candyman. Another little note, like the, the score, which I love, uh, Philip Glass doesn't, really score horror films and he didn't realize it was a horror film <laughs> when he wrote the score. That's he, had re- he had uh, read uh, Clive Barker's short story that the movie's based on, but he didn't read the script. And he composed just kind of, I think, a handful of themes that they would later put in the film at various points. So when he first saw the film, I got the premiere, he was like, oh my God, this is like a horror film. Look at all that gore. He was he was taken aback. Yeah. I think it's pretty interesting i don't think he's he's scored another horror movie since that's hilarious now you mentioned uh clive barker just being a good horror writer oh yeah what what else has he done well i mean i mean he started off as a novelist Mm -hmm. um so the books of blood he wrote the hellbound heart which hellraiser is based on he wrote and directed the first hellraiser and i think he wrote and produced the second one okay Um, which i have not seen as far as movies go, the Hellraiser, he had nothing to do with any of the sequels past two. Candyman, uh, Lord of Illusions. Okay. I don't know if you saw that one. It's a pretty good, I mean, it definitely feels like a Clyde Barker. I guess. Yeah. And he's very inspired by a Lovecraft, like this kind of ethereal right. horror paranoia. Like it really kind of gets under your skin. Yeah. Now, was um, he involved in the, the newest Candyman at all? I don't believe so, no. Oh, okay. Um, but you said it was still good. I thought, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I thought it looked good from the trailers. And I remember like the opening titles, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is going to be something. And yeah. it was, it really surprised me. Um, the other sequels are trash and you should oh, okay. not watch. Like they're very, they, they take like what was typical at the time. Like, okay, we have the horror villain. We're just bring him back. Right. Even though at the end of the movie, Virginia Madsen is the Candyman. Right, like he, exactly. Tony Todd's not Candyman, but like Tony Todd's the image everyone has in their head, so they need to bring him back. Yeah. Um, that's what that's what I was going to ask is, could I, I j- just, just watch, watch the new one? Just watch the new one. Skip the other Oh, ones. great. I, they, I do think they them. make a pretty good double feature. I can't remember exactly. I think they do tackle like what happened to Helen mm-hmm. and that she is the new iteration of Candyman. It's been, I mean, I've, I've seen it a couple times, but I can't remember because it's been about a year or so. But I remember just being very impressed with the whole film, and I thought it really honored the original and moving it moving it forward, but also making it a little bit more modern, but still, it's still dealing with the same issues as the original film. It just, it just feels like a nice companion piece, like a yeah. little, nice little 
epilogue. To I wouldn't. Degree. I wouldn't mind to watch the. the I think you should. One. I mean, if you like this, I, I definitely think you'll enjoy the. Yeah. The new one. Yeah, I can definitely see with with this movie why it's so popular and 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 seen as like a almost like a classic uh, horror movie, but. I, I don't know. I thought it was also fun in a way. Like it, it, it moved well. Yeah. And you know, like I said before, it had stuff to say, but it still was. I wasn't sitting there waiting for it to be. No, over. I mean, you still have to make a, an entertaining film. It still exactly. has to capture your imagination and your like. You want to know what happens next. There's always a strong narrative progression in each scene. You know, more characters revealed, except for the the husband. He's just kind of a dirtbag straight away yeah. <laughs> uh, totally but uh and his new girlfriend doesn't seem that exciting <laughs> no she's like pretty boring I was yeah like, really? <laughs> my part of me is just like him virginia Matson. she's like really intelligent and right accomplished and this like floozy student and is like yeah. what what are you doing dude yeah and she's not like a like she is she seems very loving and effect like I don't, right i don't understand that anyway but yeah, and everyone has, you know, I mean, it's it's really Virginia Madsen's movie, so I mean, it's really her character that sees the most development. But it's, I think, it's a tour de force performance. Yeah, I mean, of course, hers has the most development, but I think every, I feel like even the people in the back had a character that they were portraying. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like everybody had their part, and it was it was done well, and I was definitely not confused about who was who. No, no. There was none of that kind of stuff. And I mean, even the little boy that's in it, like. Yeah, I mean, he has a. It was good. Yeah, he's a great little little guy. Like, he has a distinctive, like his speech pattern and his look and his. Right. Like what he's saying, how he says it. Like, it's like, I remember that kid. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a really ex- exceptionally well made film. Um, I think it just gets better each year. Yeah, maybe I'll have to try watching it again and see what I think. Like next year or something. Yeah, because I could I could see this being one that I throw into my spooky watching. What does your spooky watching consist of? Scream, um, sure. Yeah, scream uh, mostly. Whole Trick series. or treat. <laughs> Trick or treat. That's a great one. Craft. <laughs> craft. I like. The craft is good, though. I don't like craft, that sigh at the end of the craft. Like, it is a classic. I think I was just sighing because I was just, like, moving yeah. in my seat. I don't think. Don't I'm worry. Bad. We'll eventually talk about the craft. The craft's okay. I'm sure. And then I like just, uh, well, I like the, like, Hocus Pocus and Halloween Town, those kind of movies. Ugh, uh, I know. That's the sigh. But I don't know. I I don't know that there's specific ones that I watch every year or anything like that. But I also don't only watch like I'm not somebody that has a an October chocked full of movie watching because I don't like yeah. to watch movies that I much. Yeah. So I watch them throughout the year. So it's just spooky season all year long for me. I mean, it's like it's in my heart all year long. Right. But I really let it out starting the summer. Oh, right. Well, that's when it's acceptable I to mean, let it out. And I, I and I like kind of like save it. Like I'll go see a new horror movie that's in the theaters or something. But I try to save up like. Halloween, Carrie, Candyman, yeah, you know the thing in the Mouth of Madness, those kind of stuff. I try to save those up for when I really feel like I look outside and it's like leaves are falling and right, it's like dreary, maybe it's about it's to happen, and it's like yeah, this yeah, is a good time. That, I mean, that's the best kind of weather. Yeah, um, and that's that's great movie watching weather. It is. I mean, uh, it's just it's perfect, and I uh, I look forward to it like every year. Yeah, 
It's like I look forward to like my mom makes this specific dessert mm-hmm. that she makes every Christmas, and I don't eat it. I don't like don't make it rest of the year. Yeah. But I will. What is the dessert? It's a chocolate layer dessert. Oh, okay. The, we we make peanut butter. Well, my mom makes peanut butter crunch. It's like a mm. crispy butterscotchy layer, and then like a chocolate layer that's like cr- like, like chocolate pudding or something. No, it's like hard. Oh, yeah. Like baked hard dark chocolate mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Oh, hmm. I don't know. It's something my whole family makes, but it's it's the I same mean, it's thing. We mainly only make it at Christmas. <laughs> now yeah. we may make it multiple times throughout December. Yeah, but. Once Christmas is over, you really don't get no no that I, anymore. <laughs> I like to save it up and look forward to it every year because I will yeah. eat the whole thing. Yeah, uh, like when my um, she oh go ahead. It was like when when my dad and my grandfather were alive, he'd she'd make one for each of us, and I'm talking like a that is great a like twenty by twelve pan. Yeah, and it's just like a I think a walnut pecan crust, cream cheese, chocolate pudding. I think another layer of cream cheese. And then whipped topping and then sprinkled mm. pecans. That sounds great. Oh, my God. She might have to make one for the library. She, she probably will. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, that's the same way I was where we were talking about that. Also with Halloween, you know, the, there's just a mood to it, which helps with watching. I, I probably watch yeah. more movies in, in October than I do throughout the year. Yeah. As far as horror. I just watch them all around. But. The same thing. My mom makes uh it's just it's dirt cake, but <laughs> but it's a graveyard. Oh, okay. And and we only really have that at Halloween. That's cool. Like it's just something she's made because I always threw parties since I was young for Halloween. Yeah. And that was the big hit. And it just has become a thing. It's that's awesome. So when the you know, when the weather gets low and all the niceness of fall happens, if it does um, yeah, hopefully it lasts more than a week. This I year. know we had literally a supposed week. To be in the 80s next week. Uh, yeah, it's supposed it's to be wild. hot again. So maybe. But then after that, it's supposed to cool off. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully so. Because that that fall weather, it just it's the best. It weirdly makes me just feel alive. Like it's it does. It does. It's I'm so like, nice. Yeah. I, I mean, are, honestly, out of all the weather like that, I feel alive on those dreary, rainy. Yeah. Fall I like to days. go for like walks on those like. Like when it's like oh, grizzly yeah. and out overcast, there's a little bit of mist. Yeah. It's like 58 degrees. It's like perfect. And it also kind of looks like you might get murdered. You I know, mean, a little yeah. bit of fog or yeah, a little I mean, bit of mist. Yeah, I mean, somebody could yeah. pop, a ghost right. pop out of the mist. and Exactly. It's a little chilly, just enough to make like your hairs. Yeah. 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 I'm a fan. Love it. It's like hoodie it. weather. I can finally yeah. put yeah. on a hoodie and maybe some pants. Yeah. You know. See, I- <laughs> Do you wear pants? <laughs> I don't wear pants. I don't at think all. I've ever <laughs> seen you in pants. I don't think I've seen I have, you in pants I've very seen, often. It's happened like a handful of times. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, of, it's. I mean, it. Like I said, it's. It's okay to let that spooky out during. Oh yeah, no, during that time. I That's why my, people think I'm weird yeah. because I shop for home decor at, at Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Like it is my it. I don't usually put anything new in my home unless I get it at Halloween. Just count for down home the decor. days for Spirit Halloween to open. That's right. That's why I get so excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, new home decor's out. <laughs> Did you see the Mars Attacks thing they had? Yeah, the that's great. Alien? It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I loved it. That'd be cool. We need it for the library. Okay. Replace Steve. Steve. 
Yeah. Like $400. Someone wants to buy us a Mars Attacks alien from Spirit <laughs> Halloween and then donate it to the um, library. That would be War excellent. Or any of them. Like the Leatherface would be fine. Yeah. Like, you know. But I feel like the I, Mars like Attacks is at least like not a friendly. We could leave that More out friendly. year round. Yeah. 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 Who's that? 16. Who's that, Daddy? <laughs> oh, that's the guy that wears other people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But that's uh, great. I guess speaking of traditions, we should talk about like our next episode. Yeah, our next episode would be good. Yeah. Why is it a tradition? Oh, to no, talk that's, about that's our the next Thanksgiving. Episode. I was going to say, what? Backwards. I mean, it is traditional. That is what we do at the end of every episode. Ha ha ha. Talk about what we're going to I guess that's true. Uh, I was getting it mixed up with the Thanksgiving. That's oh, fine. it is not Thanksgiving. All right. What are we doing next? Well, so overall, you hated Truth or Dare. The, I liked it, but I, a passion. <laughs> I liked it, but I saw the flaws, so that's yeah. good. And we both love Candyman. It right. was great. Absolutely. So next podcast, we are going to have a guest on. We are. Drew, who is here as a work study. Work study. Or works here for work study. I don't know how you would say that. It's here, anyways, it's here as a work study. He's a work study employee. He works here through the work study there you program. go. He works here. That's a lot of words. But anyways. Just add Bloomhouse to it. Yeah. <laughs> Bloomhouse says. <laughs> but he's going to be on the podcast. He's never been on here with us before. But I think he did do some podcasting in high school. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. But uh, we're going to we're gonna do a Brian Gosling episode. Totally. Which I love Ryan Gosling, one of my favorite actors. Yeah, he's great. And I think he does a variety of things. Which we're kind of going to explore. Yeah, because you have one's very, it's like a musical comedy. Yeah. Slash drama. The other one's, uh, it's a very, you know, he has, I don't know how many lines in the movie. Not many. says anything. Yeah. Um, so we're going to watch, Drew is picking La La Land. Which I have not seen. Um, and I haven't seen for a few years. Always or, wanted to see it because he's in it, but. Uh, so he's picking that for us. And then we're picking, because movie me and Aaron both agree on is Drive mm-hmm. and we're picking that for Drew because he's never seen it yeah and I was appalled when he was like I love Ryan Gosling like, oh yeah you, you like drive? drive he's like he's like no and I'm like what yeah get out of here and and I think those are great movies to show his versatility yeah totally so I think it's gonna be a fun episode I enjoy when I, I think I'm liking this where we kind of pick a person and do stuff some too it's just neat it's different than what we normally do and then they disappear <laughs> who disappears and then they disappear if we do stuff and they disappear <laughs> like we murder them yeah I was <laughs> what is I was... wrong with you here today we've gotten into cannibalism and murdering our co-workers like what we... is happening I definitely was talking about like we had a Stephen King episode and now we're gonna have a Ryan Gosling episode oh my yeah. god Sorry. I think the COVID shot is messing with me today. I think so. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm starting to get concerned that Aaron isn't the serial killer among the two of you. <laughs> Bad news for you, Toby. We're both in oh, here with God. you. Oh, <laughs> God. All right. Can I? Good, good thing you sat closest there's to the a, door. There's a premise. Podcasters are also serial killers. team serial killers. Can I, can, that's a good one. Can I stay off of the murder list at least? I totally make that. There, There is a show, something like that, where they accidentally befriend a serial killer. 
and then they make him do a podcast with them. That's great. <laughs> it's it's a comedy. It's good, but it has old girl from Penny from uh, Oh Big Bang. Yes, Kaylee Kuko. Kaylee Kuko. Kaylee yeah. Kuko. Yeah. Waka Kuko. 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 Uh, that was pretty off the rails. I think we were just wrapping up, but you know, yeah. it happens sometimes. So. Yeah, so join us for the Ryan Gosling episode, which Drew will be coming onto the podcast for the first time. And yeah, watch those movies, get acquainted with them, and then we'll discuss them. Totally. But until next time, I'm Aaron. I'm Josh. And this has been The Real Opposites.